Would you turn to 1 Peter chapter 5? 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to read verse 6 through 10 today. We are in Acts chapter 7 and 8 this week. I believe Reese hit Acts chapter 9. Um, I, I kind of settled into Acts chapter 6 and 7. He was in 7, 6 and 7, yes, sir. The story of Stephen. I heard some from the other room. And I really feel like you will be blessed to be at Spirit Life class. If someone agrees, say amen. It is, it is spiritual teaching. And if there's something we need most in our nation right now, it's spiritual people. What the scripture calls spiritual people. And uh, I, I, I don't normally preach on something like this. On the holiday, I've tried to tailor it into something that's festive, but it's it's really hard to because God wants me to deal with two things that are heavy and that's rejection and resentment. Those two things are in this sermon but they're heavy things that chain the heart. And a heart can be so chained that it doesn't even understand how to step into freedom when freedom shows up. I'm preaching already. You can have freedom show up for you and not take it because your heart is so bound. And so I want to talk to you for a little while about what it's like to be called home. Amen? To be called home. And we don't have this world as our home. We're just passing through. Anybody know that old song? My grandmother used to sing it all the time. Just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond. You remember that? They made a joyful noise every Sunday. Amen? But that noise was their weapon. That song was their worship in the late night. It wasn't just in front of, over a pulpit at a small church, but it was literally their power in worship. And they echoed the name of Jesus like we sing today. So if we go to the scriptures, we see a beautiful passage in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. If you're there, say amen. Humble yourselves. Ooh, starts out rough, doesn't it? Everybody say humble. Yeah. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. How many know his hand is mighty? Is there a testimony in the room? His hand's mighty. Amen. He's worked for you that he may exalt you in due time. Who does the exalting? And when does he do it? In due time. In God's timing. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. As a roaring lion seeketh or walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so we resist. Everybody say resist. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, thank God for grace. Amen, somebody. Is there a praise in your heart for some grace? But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory. Everybody say called. Yeah. 
us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. It was through him that we have this calling, by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Everybody say perfect. That's what you wanted anyways, right? Establish you and strengthen you and settle you. That's what he's saying. He said he's going to make you perfect. He's going to establish you. And I'll break those down in the original language for you before we're done here. Strengthen you and settle you. Mm. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, settle down. (laughs) You're getting rowdy. Settle down. Just settle down. Yes. I want to preach to you for just a little bit on called home. I don't know if you experienced what I experienced last night, but from dark at about 8.30 till well after midnight, the skies were full of rockets, red glare. We didn't have any public fireworks going on, but it's like everybody took it over personally, spent $500 on a fireworks show in their backyard, and the police could not monitor it because everybody was doing it. It's like people took charge of their own freedom. Hello, somebody. You're waiting for revival to hit the church. We're supposed to take charge of revival for ourselves. Mm. We're waiting for our home here to get better, but we're not staying here. We're called by Je- through Jesus Christ to an eternal glory. Amen. Jesus, touch your word today. Minister to somebody in this room. Maybe they weren't expecting to be here, but they're here today. So minister to them, I pray. In Jesus' name, as we celebrate our independence today, let us also celebrate our dependence on you. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. The greatest need I started with is spiritual people. You know, as pastor, you go through cycles. And you deal with Mother's Day, Father's Day, Easter, New Year's, Christmas. And you you pull certain passages that fit sometimes those seasons. And I'm not necessarily a preacher that's tied to that because I want the Lord to speak to me. But uh, he changed my sermon like this morning, (laughs) which makes you feel real comfortable. How many would like to stand before an entire audience and online before millions if they find us? With the sermon you got this morning, how that's comfortable, isn't it? I'm not looking for sympathy in any way because I want you to know that the changes that take place on a regular basis in the church are sometimes God addressing what's going on in the world in order to bring people to him. He uses what happens in our world as sometimes leverage to change hearts and to turn hearts to him. If you're desperate enough, you'll find the only thing that can answer every question. Amen? And so we we go through those cycles, and last week we did Father's Day, and this week we're celebrating. And I was talking to a pastor, and he had brought all the kids down front to celebrate Father's And he was asking them questions, and he opened the scripture, and he read, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, is there any other verses that you can think of about the family that honor, that they're talking about honor and that help you with dealing with your family? And one little boy that's about five years old raises his hand, and and he says, yeah, thou shalt not kill (laughs) your brother, your sister, (laughs) 
That's a five-year-old prayer right there. <laughs> so sometimes even though you're dealing with the holidays, stuff pops up on the end. I just want you to know that I'm not preaching for praise. I'm preaching for change today. I, I don't care if you clap your hands or not. I, I mean, I, I want you to receive the word of the Lord, but I want to make heaven happy today. I want someone to repent and turn their life to God. I want things to change so much that you never go back to what you were before when you walked in. I want God to touch you in such a way that you can leave here and say, I want to be a spiritual person. And I mean that by being people who are completely surrendered to live under the God and the word of God and to be led by the Holy Spirit. I, I, we are dealing with a world whose heart is growing harder. And we have to be people who soften under the presence of God in order to hear what God wants us to do in these days. See, the heart of the problem is that we have a heart problem. That's true. And I deal with the heart regularly, and I did series on this, and I, I, I know that I'm speaking to people that are like, okay, it's a heart problem. We need spiritual people. I get that, Pastor. But we also need some spiritual optimism in the church. I'm not talking about positive, spiritually positive people. That, that's people that say it isn't what it actually is. I'm saying optimistic people, and those are people that take what is the reality and say, but God can turn this around. God's word is greater. God's word is settled. God's word cannot change no matter how much culture endorses it or not. No matter what changes, what laws are written against God's word, his word is already settled. So it doesn't matter what we go through, we can stand on the word of God. Our our hearts can be secure if we are obedient to the word of God. Isn't that right, Brother Rob? The greatest success is for you to obey the word of God. It's not for you to come to church and be great and look great, and I'm glad you look great and smell great and all that great stuff, but I want you to know that when you leave here today, if you've obeyed one thing you hear today from the word of God, this sermon is a success for you. This service is a success for you. If you get something out of the song, if you get something out of the worship, if you get something out of the word of God that makes you say, I want to obey God more. That is a successful day at the house of God. Amen, somebody. And if you feel God's presence, it's telling you he's not done with you yet. You need to know that if you felt him at all in this room, he's telling you you haven't turned his grace into disgrace. You haven't gone too far to where you've been too much of a hypocrite. You're not a stage player. You're just a lost person at the moment. And if you will just ground yourself back in Jesus Christ and knowing that he's coming and this world's not your home and you do have a calling and you are chosen and heaven is your home and you're not staying here. This world's not my home. I am just passing through. And I'm grateful for the fact that I know that he deals with my heart on a regular basis. The more we see the signs of Jesus' return, the more we will see problems with the heart of man. And thank God for the mercies of knowing that we are in the season of the last days. Thank God that we can look at the times and say, Jesus is coming. I know my grandfather preached it. I know my, my dad preached it. And, and he didn't preach it long because he fell out of the church. But thank God he's back to serving the Lord. But I can tell you this, that whenever we see all of these things, we need to draw closer to God. Hear me today. I'm going to be quick out of the chute and we're going to be done. But hear me today. This is one success that I can say that I've had all of my life. 
I have not gotten everything right, but I want to tell you one success that will keep you saved, and that is when you feel God's presence, know he's not done with you, and number two, when you feel God's presence, soften yourself. Don't harden yourself. Don't let life harden you. Life doesn't harden you. You harden your heart because of what happens in life to you. There are people that have had it worse than you, and they are more sensitive to God and have a softer heart than you because they did not let life or the situations that came at them harden them. You choose not to harden your heart. The Bible says, harden not your heart. In other words, it's saying it's your responsibility. To soften yourself. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. And so we have to understand that you can either be clay in the hands of God or, and be hardened by the sun, the burnings, the, the things of life, because the fire will come to all of our life. Don't kid yourself. You're going to get burned in life. Brothers and sisters, do not be resentful at the fact that all of us eventually will get burned somewhere in our life. But if you you are like wax and God's presence comes to you. He will melt you and you will be made in something different. In fact, God will bring a fragrance from the melting and the softening of your heart and he will let it become a worship to you. The places where I've been burned are where I learned the most from God and I learned how to be the softest in his presence and now when they worship and now when the guitar starts or something starts, it's great to stay stand there and lift my hands because I know this is where I soften my heart. This is where I give my heart to Jesus. This is where I turn this around. You may not need to come here every Sunday, but I need to be here in the presence of God where I get an injection of the almighty God and feel his presence and know that my heart is not turning to stone in this world, but I am softening under the hand of almighty God. I'm humbling myself the hand of God. I don't want to be a hypocrite in life, but don't let your heart be hardened because it's the hardening of the heart that makes God feel so far away. The secret is always soften. Always soften in the presence of God. Amen, somebody. And so I've learned that lesson over life in Acts 8. 53 through 60, we see the story of Stephen and he's being accused of so much. And he's walking through the Old Testament trying to show them that you have not lived the law you say you live. And so he's accusing them of not keeping the law. And of course, they're not going to hear this. They're Pharisees and Sadducees. You taught it so well today, Reese. I don't need to teach it again, but there's something in the scripture that jumps out at me. They stop their ears. I want you to know that the world is stopping their ears. As you harden your heart, you stop being able to hear. As you get a hard heart, and the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes to you, he's going to take out your stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. The Holy Spirit work is not only a counselor, not only a reminder of the things of God, but it's also a softener of the heart. The Holy Ghost in this room today will soften your heart. I don't care how far you've gone from God. The Holy Ghost can come and find you, Bethany, and it can say, remember what I've done for you. Remember who you are in me. Remember the identity that I gave you. You are worth more than you know.
Brothers and sisters, how much are you worth if you were Jesus Christ's anesthetic on the cross who for the joy set before him? Who for the joy? That's you. You're, his joy was you, brothers and sisters. You were the reason he endured the cross. How much is your worth if you were an anesthetic that could help him endure the greatest Roman torture ever generated by man's wicked mind? I tell you today, he loves you, and there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Amen, somebody. Over 99 just persons who need repentance. The Holy Ghost comes to soften your heart and say, come to me again. This world's not where you're going to live. Don't be hardened by this world because it's not your home. You have a higher calling to heavenly glory. And that's the only way you'll keep a soft heart is if you know you have a heavenly calling. They stop their ears. There's a lot of people that are just stopping their ears right now to everything that's going on. Understand, I don't endorse violence. I'm not saying that you should be tearing up and burning down cities. But I am saying as a pastor that we need to understand that people are yelling to be heard, not trying to listen. And sometimes whenever everyone's trying to be heard, nobody's listening, nothing gets done. I pray we still have ears that are not stopped, amen? That we still hear the needs of people, even if we don't understand, even if we don't agree, even if we're not the same race. Hello, somebody. Even if we're not the same people, do not stop your ears. A hard heart will close off your ears. And that is what is happening in our world. And it builds up also, a hard heart builds up over resentments of life. You didn't get what you thought you should have got when you should have got it. The woulda, shoulda, couldas. The relationships that didn't make it, the hurts that did come, the things that weren't supposed to happen to you because you had all the box checked and all the insurance and all the places covered, and yet somehow the gap was found by life. I want to tell you that resentment makes your heart hard, and you have to learn how to give it to the Lord. Also, rejection makes your heart hard. Have you ever been rejected in a place where you thought you were accepted? Have you ever been walked out on or, or rejected in, in a place you thought was safe forever? You thought you'd be safe here. And yet, somehow, you got to be pushed out and outcast. I want you to know that Jesus is the same. Mary and Joseph were on a donkey, rode 90 miles, seven-day trip. She's cramping. She's craving. I mean, this is a dangerous situation for Joseph. Hail Mary, thou art highly favored. I don't think she felt very highly favored when she was on a donkey for 90 miles. I don't think she felt like this was the son of God in my womb when she was dealing with having to go back to be taxed. And I don't think she felt like she was favored when they said there's no room for you here. Jesus was rejected before he was born. Understand that Jesus did not 
come into this world because he was accepted. He came in this world because he knew he would be rejected. And what he did on the cross for you as a reject was take every rejection you had upon him and give you favor from God. Amen. Somebody, that's a good place to say amen. He takes resentment and rejection and he turns it into redemption. Amen. He takes the things that you cannot handle and he deals with it by redeeming you. In other words, your spiritual salvation handles your physical life. The things you deal with in life are dealt with because you are called home. You are called and redeemed. You are called to another place. Instead of being bitter, Stephen looked up in verse 60 and he offered forgiveness. He said in verse 55, receive my spirit. He said, this is not my home. I don't have to live anymore. I can go home. And he looked up and he saw Jesus on the right hand of God. Verse 60, he said, lay not this sin to their charge. This is a man who's being stoned. The one pastor in California was dealing with some surfers and he was trying to win them. And he said, hey, man, you need to get off the drugs and you need to come to church. And one guy who had been to church, he said, hey, man, Stephen saw Jesus high and lifted up when he was stoned. <laughs> that is not what I'm talking about, sir. It's the wrong kind of stoned. <laughs> Sometimes we have to understand that the worst moments bring out the best in us when we have a soft heart toward God. He said, receive my spirit. He said, this world is not my home, is what he was saying. Receive my spirit. And then he said, lay not this sin to their charge. He forgave them. And then we understand that it takes a man who has a heart toward God to say something like that when he's being stoned by the people who are supposed to be religious, supposed to be about Jesus. But that was the problem. They were more religious than they were a follower of Jesus. And so I want to deal with that heart issue today. Maybe today you can leave and feel like you've heard from the Lord in 1 Peter 5. And maybe you can feel like God has touched you in some way to help you to be humble in God's presence and not to harden your heart in these times and situations that we're going through. I've had moments where I felt like the enemy was on my shoulder saying, you don't need to do that. You don't have to subject yourself to that. You don't have to be vulnerable to that. Just, just walk away from it all. And I had another voice on my shoulder that said, I'll take care of lifting you up at the right time. You humble yourself to God. He takes care, of your, takes care of your elevation in life. Amen, somebody. That's real good preaching, Pastor. I'll help you out with that moment. Amen, Pastor. Soften your heart under the hand of God, and he elevates. Because if you prop yourself up, you got to keep yourself propped up. Oh, turn to somebody and say amen. Plus, it's a little bit extra with a side of special. If you're constantly going around propping yourself up. Jesus didn't even say, I am the Messiah. He let the Spirit say that. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Why? Because nobody on the bank that heard that thought there was another God speaking because they were monotheistic. This is not in my notes. Not even close to this sermon. 
But whenever Jesus was baptized, he didn't come out of the water saying, I'm the son of God. They're like, yep, sure you are. God said, I will demonstrate energy that speaks to authorize my son, the flesh, who I am indwelling, so that those on the bank know that he is not self-propping. <laughs> He's not propping himself up, but he is literally held up by the will and the directive of the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. Okay, all the scholars are happy because I dealt with that. Soften your, turn to somebody and say, soften your heart. Steel Smith was seemingly an ordinary boy. He looked like other boys his age. However, looks could be deceiving because Steel was not like other boys. It's an interesting name, Steel. I guess if you have the name of Smith, you have to have an interesting name in front of that. His body was at war with itself. I've shared this story once before, but it fits today, and I want to share it with you. Within his six-year-old frame lurked a host of debilitating diseases, five of which could take him out at any time. In fact, it wasn't just one disease. It was the system of his body attacking itself. For when he was one year old, they found a calcium deposit in the right atrium of his heart. And it began to grow, and it grew outside and around the heart and literally encased the heart. The doctors at the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin searched the medical textbooks for anything remotely similar to Steele's case. Rather than presenting the symptoms of a single disease, the classification of his heart was a result of numerous disease systems and his body's reaction to therapy. They were trying to heal him, and his body reacted to it by hardening his heart. By Christmas 2000, Steele was succumbed to these diseases. He died three days after his sixth birthday. He died of a heart that slowly hardened and became encased with stone. While remarkably sad and rare, it suggests a greater and far more common problem to us that I want to talk about today, and that's the hardening of the physical heart, the issue of our spiritual heart is even more important than the loss of a boy who went to be with the Lord. And as sad as that story is, I want to talk today in 1 Peter 5, if you have your Bibles and turn there, I want to deal with the hardened heart through these scriptures. And it says in verse 5 that God resists the proud. We talked about humbling yourself in the original scripture, but it says God resists the proud, likewise, ye younger. It's talking to the young people. Every young person in this room, turn to somebody and say, listen up. Oh, there's one or two of you. All the young people, turn to another young people and say, listen up. He said, likewise, ye younger. He's talking about submitting in the previous verse. And now he gets to the young people. He says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, all of you be subject. In other words, he goes back to an encompassing general statement. All of you be subject one to another. In other words, help one another. Be subject to one another. If someone help asks you for something, subject yourself and help them with that. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud. Everybody say resisteth. Resisteth actually means for God to range himself like an army against a proud person. He literally sets himself in a ray against those that are proud. 
It says, I will resist you. You don't want God resisting you, amen? That's why we are to humble ourselves and be soft in heart and giveth grace to the humble. Anybody glad they can celebrate God's grace? I know I hit it in the reading, but I'm so grateful for God's grace again and again and again. I was talking to some of the kids at the house, and I was like, I just want someone who is like a clean Christian, not someone who has all of these hidden things, all these problems going on, but there's no such thing as an easy situation anymore. That's why grace abounds, brothers and sisters. That's why there's more grace than there is sin, because where sin abounds, grace Grace does much more abound. And I'm grateful as a preacher today that I'm not looking at a world that's hopeless, but I'm looking at a grace that's bigger than a world that's hopeless. And there's still life. There's still hope. There's still grace for you. I don't care how many times you've messed up. There's grace for you. A thousand times a thousand times a thousand. There's grace for you. I'm not endorsing sin over and over again. I'm endorsing falling down and getting back up over and over and over again. Having a heart that softens whenever you know you've made a mistake. Not hardly and say it's their fault. And if they would have ever, and if they could have ever, and if I would have got a better mom or a better dad or a better upbringing or a better trust fund, I could have got through. No, it's not somebody else's fault. It is you that God says, I want to give the grace to. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've been through. I have grace for everything you're going through, and I will give it to you if you soften and humble your heart to God. And we're in a nation that's celebrating the pursuit of happiness this weekend. We're celebrating the birthday of a great nation, the greatest nation ever known. Even though we're young, this is the greatest nation ever known. I know there's problems, but there has always been problems when you get people together. There's always been problems. We know the problem, and it's us. <laughs> verse 6 says, exalt. Look at verse 6. Just stay with me, media team. I'm going to walk through this, and then we're going to go home. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that, ye may, that he may exalt. Everyone say exalt. You in due time. There's two words there, exalt and time. Hear me carefully. Exalt means to raise to dignity, honor, and happiness. You want to know what the true pursuit of happiness is? It's to humble yourself under God and let him exalt you. That is the pursuit of happiness, amen, is when you just keep humbling yourself and keep humbling. It feels like I'm losing, Pastor. No, you're not worried about what it feels like between you and somebody else. You need to worry about being humble under God's hand, not their hand, not their rules, not their, their restrictions, but humble yourself under God's hand because when you humble yourself under God's hand, he will raise you to dignity. You don't know how they shame me. You don't know how it hurt, Pastor. You don't know how much my Dignity was bashed. You don't know how much it just crumbled me. No, if you humble yourself under God's hand, he will raise you to dignity, to honor, and to happiness. I don't care what you did to dishonor your family. I don't care what you did to dishonor your name. God will put a name on you that brings you into honor and dignity, and you'll find happiness again. Oh, yes, you will. You will find happiness again in God's presence because his word says so. He will exalt you. In time, which, fix, which means fixed time, when things brought to crisis, 
Hello, somebody. When things brought to crisis bring the decisive epoch waited for or the decisive moment through a crisis that God raises you up. God is raising up his church right now. You need to get involved. You need to get in God's way, brothers and sisters. You, you need to know where God's headed. He's taken all the turmoil and the crisis in this world and he's going to use it to establish and exalt his church and raise us up to a place not for our own good but for his great name. Amen, somebody. For his great name, time, the state of the times, the state that we're living in is ripe for revival, and we will see it. Verse 7 says that he careth for you. Cast, it's like throwing a net is the picture, throwing a net out of the water, just throwing it away, just casting all your cares upon him, for he careth. There was a careth. You're doing good with the King James today. He careth. For you, that word careth means to concern oneself with. Brother Dean, God concerns himself with you. Everybody else, I know I point people out when I'm talking because I just like to let them know that God specifically cares for you personally. He cares about your ups and your downs. He cares about your anxiety attacks. He cares about your depression. He cares about your debilitation and any kind of disease. God cares about it. Even though you're walking through it, God cares about it. And he concerns himself with you. And then in verse 8, it says that because he cares for us, we should be sober, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. You know why the devil roars? To paralyze his prey. Lion has no function when it roars other than to paralyze its prey. It cannot chase down some of the prey it gets. But if it roars loud enough, their fear will paralyze them, and then the lion can get them. Understand that he's talking about a devil that will yell loud enough that you cannot hear the voice of God over the yell of the devil. And the world. So understand, though this world is driven by the spirit of Antichrist, there is a voice calling us home that's louder than the voice that's yelling in this world. Ignore, I'm telling you, I, the Lord told me in prayer about a month and a half ago when I was praying about this virus, pastoring through a pandemic, didn't even know what in the world I should do next. I make a decision, some like it, some don't. It doesn't matter about me, but I'm telling you, I went to prayer about it, and the Lord said, ignore the roar of the media, ignore the roar of this world, and focus on my voice. I've got revival and redemption for this world still. And I am coming back, and I'm going to take a church out. One will be in the field. Two will be in the field. One will leave. One will stay. Two grinding at the mill. They used references to things that they were used to, but today we know that Jesus is still coming back, and we need to be ready. I want to be one who has a soft enough heart to know the seasons and the times in which we live, that Jesus is returning, and we can have the greatest revival before we go. I want to be sober, which means calm, collected in spirit, temperate, circumspect. I want to realize the days in which I live and where I am. I want to check my heart. I want to have a soft heart. It says to be vigilant, which means to keep awake. 
Don't go to sleep, brothers and sisters, because your heart has hardened. Keep awake. When Jesus comes, will he find faith in the earth, the Bible says. Keep your heart awake. Keep your heart from being stony. Keep your heart from turning against life and be called by God. The word called in verse 10, and I'm wrapping up. Thank you for being vigilant. You will be rewarded immensely from putting this scripture into your life and living it this week. Verse 10 says, but the God of all grace who hath called us. Everybody say called. That word called right there, you know what that means? With a loud voice. The Bible says that God speaks in a soft voice. There's so many places where God speaks in a soft voice. But in this passage, it says to salute one by name with a loud voice. When the end times come, God is going to start calling his church home with a loud voice. You got to hear me. I don't care how loud this world gets. I don't care how rough it gets. I don't care how much fear is yelling. God's voice is going to be louder. God's going to call him home. God's going to call us home. And we have to understand that even if we suffer a little bit, the Bible says that even if we suffer that is actually to be made effective by the suffering that it says we're going through. It says if you have suffered a while, that word suffered means to be made effective by, that you're made more effective by the stuff you went through for the kingdom of God. And then it says make you perfect. Do you know what the word perfect means? It means to mend what has been broken or rent to the point of repair. In other words, he's saying, you're going to go through some stuff. Your heart's going to want to be hardened. You're going to have to soften your heart again and again and again and again in this life. You're going to have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. But when you've suffered through it, when you have gone through it, it's going to make you effective. And when you get done, I will perfect you. I will heal you from what's broken rent to the point of repair. And you will not remember the brokenness. You will only remember the...